I'd have to say this. Um, I'd have to say that this semester of college was one of the more difficult periods of time for me. Although God's done a lot in me, I'm still the same insecure kid who constantly compared himself to others, put himself down, and was just um, basically a wreck. Before the semester, before the semester started, I asked God to change this in my life, and you know what? Yeah, He did. As the semester began, I felt that God was stripping me away of the things in my life that were so close to my heart. These included my relationships with certain people and my unhealthy attachment to music, movies, and, oddly enough, television sitcoms. God was taking the things I loved the most out of my life so that I could be solely dependent on him. But being the immature emo kid I am, I was actually bummed and furious with God. When I heard that the 201 class was being offered up again, I asked myself, why not? Maybe this class will help me in the situation I am. And uh, you know what? It actually did. I've learned so many awesome and life-changing truths through this class. I think one of the most important truths was about my victory in Christ. It talked about the trials in a person's life and how it's necessary for a maturing Christian to go through these many difficult trials in our life. I was reminded of how the motivation behind trials is God's love for us and that he promises that there's nothing that he'll throw at us that's too much for us to handle. Looking back, I felt that God was telling me, you know what, Alex, I know that everything in your life looks like it's falling apart, but it isn't. This is my plan for you to become more mature, righteous, and holy. You're precious to me. I'm with you and always purifying you as you walk through these trials. After being reminded of this amazing truth, I found myself at peace with God and with myself. It just so happens that I'm not going to be the mature Christian I want to be unless, unless I face these life trials and learn to be solely dependent on them. Amen to that. The class required a decent amount of work, though if you're like me and the majority of Americans who procrastinate, then you are most likely to find yourself finishing the assignments of the morning of the due date. Even though I found myself doing the assignments on the due date, it forced me to read the Word of God, which I normally never consistently did in the past, as each week passed, I was fascinated and blessed by what I was reading in John, James, and even in the difficult book of James. And when I say difficult book of James, it was really difficult. It took me like four to three, four to five reads, and sometimes I had had to ask Pastor, I write on my paper, Pastor Gio, I don't understand this. But uh, what I actually read in the Bible um, stuck with me after the class ended, which has greatly helped me in my walk with Christ. And the reading of the Bible stuck with me after, and it somehow became a habit. I was also truly blessed with my fellow classmates. I was usually an hour late for class due to my classes at Seminole State and always missed dinner, but uh, they always set aside a great amount of delicious food for me to eat. I grew closer with my fellow brothers in Christ, something I've been longing for for some quite time. For example, some weeks I would meet up with my man, Sehel, at Panera. We would talk, about, we would talk for hours about everything from our walks of Christ to our appreciation for our favorite actor, Paul Rudd. Through these times, we grew closer, all through these times we grew closer, also towards the end of the semester, I found myself at one of the lowest of my lows in that time. I had the help of my brothers in Christ to bring myself back up again, reminding me that I'm not at this walk alone. Post-Harvest 201, I've been faced with a plethora of trials. However, after being stripped away of the things that were so close to my heart and armed with a biblical understanding of why God led me through this, I find myself more relaxed with these trials and have the assurance that God isn't doing this just to make me suffer, but he's doing this out of love so that I can mature in him. Again, I now also have my brothers slash sisters in Christ who are walking alongside me. I remember my old Sunday school teacher, Yung Young, yeah, giving one of these testimonies a couple of years ago, saying that there'll never be a better time than this. Life only gets busier, so if any of you take the opportunity, if any of you,
have the opportunity to take this class, I highly recommend you take take it. If you want more reasons to take this class, I'll give you three. One, I'll say that it'll give you plenty of truths you need to know to mature in this walk of Christ. Two, it'll grow, you'll grow closer with your fellow brothers slash sisters in Christ. And three, you're going to eat really delicious food. But if you're an hour late, it might be a little cold, but it's still going to taste a little good, you know? Um, we're, uh, yeah, if you're, if you're new, we're kind of jumping into the middle of a series called Empty, and uh, we're studying uh, the life of this fella named Jake. What is the most, and some of you are like, this is old, we did this in Bible study, we did. But if I were to ask, what is the most memorable thing that anyone has ever said to you, what would you say? Maybe you should think about that. The most memorable thing that anyone has ever said to me. Well, I asked some of our people, and this is what, uh, this is what they said. Um, somebody wrote, this will be anonymous, right? The most memorable thing was the very first time I was called pretty. That was back in kindergarten. Another person said, you are someone special. Don't stop trying. Keep on running the race. Most memorable thing. Another one said, stay true to yourself. Another one, this is probably recent. Will you go to prom with me? (laughs) It's interesting because a guy said that. It's weird. (laughs) Um, Imagine where you would like to be and what you would like to be doing in 10 years, then go and work towards that. Someone said their dad told them that. I think it's interesting that some of the most memorable things that people have heard are things that go way, way back into our childhood. And it's interesting. We didn't say the most inspiring, most encouraging, but most memorable, things that we remember the most, and not all of them are good. Here's what someone said. Uh, One time at school, I said, I have a headache. This popular guy in school said to me, you are a headache. And that stuck with me to this very day. And some of these things, words spoken a long, long time ago, still continue to haunt us in our memories. I remember when I was growing up, uh, whenever someone would make fun of me, uh, maybe because I was Asian or because I had this like bowl cut or um, because I pulled up my socks to my knees and they had like stripes on it and they didn't match my clothes. Uh, When someone make fun of me, I remember someone saying to me, hey, you know what? You just have to say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And I remember the next time someone made fun of me, I said that. I said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never. And even as I was saying that, I knew that I was lying because I knew that those words still hurt me. Isn't it interesting how words that are either spoken to us or not spoken to us have the power to either fill or empty our souls? to fill or empty our hearts. We're going to pick up on this theme by looking at uh, Genesis chapter 27 as we continue to look in the life of Jacob. We've seen him, uh, Jacob and his his older brother Esau, they're twin brothers, but Esau came out first. Jacob came out as a baby clutching his heel. Jacob, the one who was loved by his mom, and uh, Esau, the one who's loved by his dad. We saw last week, last two weeks, that Jacob has stolen the birthright Right, the privilege of the birthright from his brother Esau, trading it instead for a bowl of stew, a bowl of red stuff, and he got all of these material blessings, right? the, the, the money, the inheritance, and the responsibilities of leading the family. We're going to see another underhanded, uh, another underhanded attempt at stealing something that Jacob does. This is crazy. 
uh, Genesis chapter 27, verses 1 through 30. Uh, I'm not going to explain everything in it, but as I read it, if you can read it, just kind of enter into the story. Be a, a fly on the wall as you see what's going on here. This is a chilling. It'd be a great movie. I'm sure it's been made into one. But Genesis 27, 1 through 30. When Isaac, this is the father, was old, his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son. Here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I'm now an old man and and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your weapons, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now, Rebekah, his wife, this Isaac's wife, was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah's mother, my brother Esau is a hairy man and I'm a man with smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I'd appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with the goat skins. Then she handed to her son, Jacob, the tasty food and the bread she had made. Went to his father and said, my father. Yes, my son, he answered, who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and Eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, how'd you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success. He lied or replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He didn't recognize him for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, so he blessed him. Are you really my son Esau, he asked. I am, he replied. They said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought some wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, ah, The smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. This is God's word. It goes on. This is crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. Like chilling stuff. So Esau, I'm sorry, Isaac is about 100 years old. All of his senses are going. He can't see. He can't smell very well. He can probably smell, but he, he's, uh, he, 
all of his senses are beginning, beginning to dull, and his common sense is going also. 100 years old, it says he is. And so he comes, it gets his son Esau, and he says, uh, my son, he says, I'm now an old man and don't know the day of my death. In verse 2, 27 verse 2, says, I'm now an old man and don't know the day of my death. This was an ancient formula for what's called a deathbed blessing. He doesn't know when he's going to die, so he wants to give his final blessing, his last will and testament, the last blessing over his child before he goes away of the fathers. And so he's preparing this deathbed blessing. When he says, go get your quiver and hunt me some venison, get me, bring me some game, literally what he's doing is it's akin to if we're to throw a party today and rent out this really nice restaurant and invite all these people because there's a moment of celebration, but something is off here. Because he's got all this food that's being prepared. This is great celebratory feast, but there are no witnesses. And the only person he calls in is Esau. So from the get-go, you know that something is sketcharama about this. And so he goes and he sends him off and Esau's going and he's hunting like, you know, Legolas and doing all this stuff. So Rebecca is listening to this. And she's like, you know what, Jacob? Your father is going to go and he's going to die. And right before he dies, he's going to bless Esau. I know that you've all of your life, you've wanted to be blessed by your dad. And the blessing is appropriated through words, okay? The blessing comes to you and me through words that people speak into our lives. So there's a blessing is going to come to your brother Esau, but there's a way that you can get blessed by your father. And Jacob is like, no way. No way. The words I've been longing to hear my entire life, there's a way. And she says, here's, here's how. I'm going to make some food while Esau's out hunting. I'm going to make some food. I'm going to give it to you. You're going to bring it in, and you're going to give it to your dad. He's going to bless you instead of blessing Esau. Because like, that's a great idea, Mom. But like, Esau is hairy. He's like Chewbacca. I'm like smooth like Luke Skywalker. How in the world is that going to happen? He didn't say that. It's kind of anachronistic. But so how in the world is that going to happen? And she's like, look, I'm going to dress you up in your brother's clothes, I'm going to put goat skin on you because your father's a little bit loopy right now. I'm going to put goat skin on you. He's going to touch you. He's going to think that you're, he's going to think that you're Esau. And then he's going to eat the food. I make him just the way that he likes it. And he's going to bless you. And then you're going to go away full. It's this chilling passage. She says, I don't know if it's going to work. And she says in verse 13, my son, let the curse fall on me because a curse of, uh, there was a penalty for lying to your father in this way. If deceiving, it was you were cursed. This is what Deuteronomy, Moses would later write this. You would be cursed. And the people reading this knew this. And so he says, the curse is going to come. And she says, let the curse fall on me. Why would he go to such crazy lengths? Three thoughts that, that come out of this passage that Jacob wrestled with that you and I need to wrestle with also. The first thing is that we all long to hear words of blessing. Can we all long to hear words of blessing? We were, we're hardwired with a need to have someone outside of us to pronounce words of blessing over us, to say that you're good, you're worthy, you're awesome, you're all that, and you're, you're, you're you know. We, we need to hear that from people outside of us. We need to be blessed from someone outside of us. That's why, and I, I've kind of said this before, but if you sneeze, right, and no one says anything to you, you feel a little bit gypped, but try this one time. You sneeze, no one blesses you, and then you say, oh, God bless you to yourself. Right? See if that works. Probably doesn't work because even though the words are the same, you need, we need someone outside of us to say that into our lives, someone outside of us to speak into our lives. That's the way it was with Jacob. It's the way it is with you and me also. But we also know 
can we also know that there are certain people whose words mean so much more than other people to us? Isn't this why some of y'all who have Facebook, some of y'all who are teen, I don't think anyone who's not in middle school or high school, I, don't, I think only high schoolers do this. I don't presume any older people do this. But isn't that why you write on your status, say, like this status, and I will tell you what your best feature is? Or you just leave as your status these letters TBH, which means to be honest. And then some people are supposed to like it. And then that person will say, to be honest, I think all these great things about you. Right? To be honest, uh, I think you're beautiful. And you're like, oh, you know, that's so good. And, and we want to hear these words of blessing from someone outside of us. We could say that about ourselves, look in the mirror and say, oh, you're beautiful. That's one thing. But all of us were created with a longing, with a desire for someone that's not us to say that about us. And so we like these things and, and we want people to say, you know, to be honest, I think you are the most funny person in all of ninth grade. Or to be honest, I think you're the most handsome person in our geography class or whatever it is that we say because we long for that. We long for that, for someone to, to speak those words to us. And if we're not in high school, we don't do it on Facebook, then we're out of high school, we do it in other ways. But we long for people to tell us. And there are certain people whose words we value more than others, whose words mean more to us than other people. Because two people can say the exact same thing, but one person's words could have so much more weight than someone else's. You know how it is. And you do this, to be honest, thing, and there's this, there's this uh, you click on and this guy, and an ugly guy, says to you, you know what, to be honest, I've memorized your class schedule. All right, let's start with a handsome guy first. A handsome guy. I've memorized your class schedule. I time my uh, journey from one class to the other just so that I could see you. Sometimes I sit outside of your house in my car and I dream about you. And if he's handsome, you're like, oh my gosh, that's so romantic. He's so sweet. But if he's ugly to you, what do you say? He's a stalker guy's terrible. I'm going to call the police on him. Restraining order. Hello, right? Exact same thing, but some person's words mean more to us than other people. There's a a few of us in here, actually a lot of us in here who like to play golf, right? Um, Some people are really good. They're so good, like like Subin. He's so good that he doesn't play with uh, normal people like us. But then there are other people who are pretty good. There's a fellow named HK. He's pretty good, and he still kind of condescends to play with people like like me. I'm really bad, uh, and part of it is I'm bad And so I don't play much. I don't play much because I'm really bad. It's this vicious cycle. I'm bad because I don't play much. I don't play much because I'm bad. One time, we have another guy in here. His name is Seho. Um, He plays a little bit more than I do. He's he's, he's much better than I am. Not great, like HK great, but he's still pretty good. He's still pretty good. First time we had our our Harvest Golf Tournament, uh, Seho and I were in the same foursome together. We played one other time together at this, like, par three course. And... I remember one time he set up in the tee box and he hit this like beautiful shot. And I said to him, oh, that's a great shot. Amazing shot. And he's just kind of like, yeah, you know, he was like really happy about himself. A few weeks ago, okay, check this out. A few weeks ago, we're sitting in our adult Bible study class. And the question that I asked at the beginning of class is a question I asked uh, at the beginning of the sermon is a question I asked the class. What's the most memorable thing anyone's ever said to you? And he said the most memorable thing that anyone ever said was when H.K. Lim he hit the, uh, Seho hit this golf shot. HK said, nice shot. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, hold on. <laughs> I said the exact same thing. <laughs> but you kind of like brushed it off like it was nothing. And he says, and it's like the most memorable thing that you've ever heard. 
Because we know that there's some people whose words mean a whole lot more than others, even if it's the exact same thing. And for Jacob, the only person whose words meant anything was his dad. And all of his life, all of his life he spent living, waiting, listening, longing, desiring for his dad to speak words of blessing into his heart. But never, never said anything. He would hear those words, but it would always be directed at his older brother Esau. It's one person in the entire land whose words would give him satisfaction in his heart, so he thought, and he never heard it. What about for you? Who's that one person in your life that you just desperately want to hear their words of blessing? You just want them to say, you know what? You're beautiful. You're worthy of my affection. What I'm proud of you. You've done a good job. I think you can do this. And who's that person in your life? Maybe it's a popular girl at school. And you feel like if I can just get in with her, then I'll feel like I'm significant. Maybe it's your supervisor at work. I don't know who it is in, in your life, but we've all got people like that. Because we are hardwired with a longing for, for, to hear from someone outside of us words of blessing. And there are certain people whose words we long for more than other people. And so deep is this longing, here's the second thing, so deep is this longing that we would even act like someone else in order to hear those words. This is, this is chilling here if you, if you can kind of get into uh, what's going on here. Rebecca says, look, all you need to do is put on your brother's best clothes. I'll give you goatskin. I'll give you all this other stuff, and I'll make it seem like you're Esau so that you could finally hear those words of blessing. This is a pathetic picture if you think about it. The only way that he could hear words that he's been dying to hear all of his life is if he acts like he's somebody else. When I was younger, um, I used to go trick-or-treating during Halloween time. I used to love getting candy. I used to love dressing up. And one of the, my favorite things was going to Kmart and buying the best costume that I could get. Because so I wanted everyone to look at me and say, you know what? Oh my, you were Superman this year. No one else is Superman. You're so cool because he's the best of all the superheroes. Or, or, or oh my gosh, you're Spider-Man. Or you're the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. You're the coolest one. And, and I long for, for, for people to say that because if you have the coolest costume, at least for a day, you are the man, right? Or you're the woman, depending on what gender you are and who you dress up as. There's one year I decided because my people at church said, yeah, you shouldn't go trick-or-treating. I said, I'm not going to go trick-or-treating. My older brother uh, said to me, hey, uh, let's go trick-or-treating. I said, I'm not going to go. And he said, come on, free candy. So I said, okay, uh, I'll go. But I said, I don't have a costume. I don't have a costume. So he said, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll make you a costume. And so he went to his closet. He pulled out this old raggedy jacket. He gave it to me. And he went to my dresser, and he pulled out like, uh, just a, a regular white T-shirt. He said, wear this, like tear it up a little bit and wear this jacket. And I was like, well, <laughs> what the heck is that? He's like, you're a hobo. <laughs> I said, what's a hobo? And we didn't have internet back then. We couldn't go and type in hobo. I, saw, I said, what's a hobo? He said, it's a street person. It's cool. You know, it's a really cool costume. I said, all right. You know, my, he's my older brother, right? He knows everything. So he th- you're a hobo. You're gonna, everyone's going to give you props. So we would go. He was dressed up. I forgot what he was. He was like a muscle man or something cool like that. So we went to the first house. I was all confident. They looked at my brother like, oh, you know, that's a beautiful costume. And then they looked at me like, and what are you? 
And the first house, I was all, I was all like, con- I said, I'm a hobo. <laughs> She's like, okay, <laughs> have a great rest of the night. <laughs> like, what was that all about? So we went to the next house, knocked on the door, and like, oh, trick or treat, oh, hey, what are you supposed to be at? I said, I'm a hobo. It's like, what in the world? And so as the night went on, <laughs> my confidence began to wane. I realized something that night. If you're going to dress up for Halloween, it's a whole lot better to dress up than it is to dress down. If, you're just, if there's one day out of the year that you could be anything that you want, one day out of the year you could be anything you want and people will give you props based on your costume, it's a whole lot better to be someone better than you than it is to be someone that you think that people think is worse than you. It's always better to be Superman than it is to be a hobo. And I thought, Wow. My brother really got me that day. If for one day I can dress up, I should be someone so much better than who I really am. Here's a tragedy. That many times we live like every day is Halloween. A lot of times we put on these costumes and become something we're not in order to hear other people give us props and other people to speak words of blessing into our life. Don't we do this? When Jacob puts this, this whole rouse on and this puts his guys on, and he goes to his father, Isaac. Isaac says in verse 18, who is it? Verse 19, Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. And for those who've taken Hebrew, you understand something about Hebrew uh, syntax. The last word in the sentence is the most important word in the sentence. So in, in essence, here's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm Esau. Let's just kind of skirt by that. But look, Dad, I'm your firstborn. I am your firstborn. I'm the one you should be loving. I'm the one that you ought to be loving as if I was the only one. I'm the one who's worthy to be the bearer of this promise, to to carry the seed. You know, Esau, look at him. He's a fool. He sold his birthright for red stuff or stew for a moment. He traded his destiny for a simple dinner. Don't you realize you've you've been blessing the wrong one the whole time? Esau's a fool. He's a fluke. He's He's a goofball. I'm the one, Dad. I'm the one that you should have been loving. If only your eyes could have been opened to see. It's me. I'm the one who's worthy of your love. Bless me, Dad. Bless me. And at the heart, that's what he's saying. And so the father, Isaac, draws him near to him. He smells him. It's his last test. Come here, kiss me. He smells and he smells that this is the smell of Esau. And then starting in verse 28 to 27 and 29, he blesses him with this amazing blessing. And he finally hears the words that all of his life he'd been craving to hear. How do you, how do you dress up like someone you're not in order to hear these words from that one person in your life that you deeply want to hear these words from? Maybe some of you, that person is someone at school. Like, you know what? If I'm a Christian at school, people aren't going to like me. And so here I go. I'm a Christian, but I come to school and I act like everybody else so that I can be liked by them. We dress up like someone that we're not.